Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new and settling stories, taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. My mother was stationed at Kadena Air Force Base, which is in Japan, around the late 2010s. Being a military child at the age of 12, my life had reset once again. I didn't have friends once more, and I had to learn an entire new neighborhood on my own. I didn't really have anything that made me ecstatic about life. That is, except the Pokemon League held on base. It was run by a few people who earned their judge cards from Nintendo and held tournaments, and just opened game nights. It was really fun picking up the card game, playing in the video game, they even had a small gym and an Elite Four system. I made a lot of friends, and one of them was one of the judges, who I'm thankful for it to this day, because if it weren't for him, I may not be here now. The judge in question, who will call Professor Getsu for the sake of anonymity, was a very nice dude. He was the youngest of three officials and wore a white professor's getup. He looked maybe on the edge of his teens, early twenties, with dark hair and glasses, with a skinny frame. He was extremely helpful to newcomers, sort of like the big brother we could all look up to, and strive to be, even if his game name of Getsu was a bit nerdy for me. He was always one of the last people to leave, helping to clean up, and he supposedly lived nearby. The last thing is important for what's about to happen. It was a bit of a colder evening when the event ended. I was sitting outside in the parking lot, scrolling through memes my friends texted me as I waited for my parents to pick me up. I was just kind of zoning out as the time clicked by when I heard someone nearby. Hey, hey girly, you play Pokemon? I would look up and see this tall man, kind of chubby looking, ambling my way. I saw this man every now and then in the events, and he didn't really ever stand out that much. I give a small nod, said, yeah I do, as he gives this wide smile, like creepy wide. He starts walking forward, and I'm hit with his nasty stench, like overwhelming bad body odor. I blink a bit as I see he's walking from a black sedan that happens to have its back door open. I got this cool card collection. Come here, let me show you. Now, my parents have always taught me stranger danger, but my kid brain thought, hey, he went to events and I've seen him, so it should be fine. At least that's what I thought, until he grabbed me by my wrist and began to drag me towards the sedan. To say that I immediately started screaming is an understatement. I think I started screaming before he even touched me. Stinky didn't care, though. He was yanking me at this point saying how I'll have fun and throwing out things about trading cards, like someone listening would think that he was just dealing with a whiny kid. I honestly thought that I was going to be taken, and I'd never see my mom or dad again, that I'd be on the back of a milk carton and soon forgotten about thereafter. Thankfully, Professor Getsu had walked out at that very moment, presumably on his own way home. All I know is I hear the sound of fabric hitting this big dude's face as the professor had thrown his white coat over the man's head. 
I feel Professor's hand go to where this dude is grabbing my arm. And then I see his hand grab Stinky's pinky finger and yank back. Hard. Stinky let go right away and yowled like an animal as Professor pushed me back behind him as he yanked his coat off the dude. He then kicked at the back of the guy's knees as he caused him to buckle as Professor grabbed his wrist and pulled back on them. Stinky groaned in even more pain as Professor looked at him with just a cold look in his eye. The big brother figure was gone, something else in its place. I think I was a bit scared of it. Professor's tone of voice when he spoke didn't help either, like icy daggers lingered with his words against Stinky. If I see you back here, or doing this shit to my charges, this will pale in comparison to what Japanese prisons will do to you. Stinky would ultimately scramble away, get into his car and peel out of the parking lot, Professor glaring at him till he was out of sight. He would then guide me inside of the venue, buy me some fish and chips, and sit down with me until my parents arrived. That cold persona he had when he kicked that dude was gone, back to being the big brother that I knew. To be frank, that in and of itself frightened me. I couldn't understand how or why the young man got so aggro. I only later learned that Professor Getsu was a black belt who taught kids how to defend themselves with his mother at the local activity center. I suspect he had something of a protective persona or something in his own life led him to act in such a way. He explained the situation to my folks when they arrived. I wasn't allowed to go to events and leagues as much as I used to, but still was able to from time to time. Professor Getsu was still his normal self at the events, but he would stop coming to the events a year afterwards, his license having expired, and his father moving out of the country soon after. Reaching about the same age as he was, and with a little sibling of my own, I sympathized with how, for a brief moment, he became something terrifying just to make sure that I was safe. Oh, and as for Stinky, he was either banned entirely from events or simply terrified of Professor Getsu because he never showed his face again. I wish the professor a good life, and I hope he's doing well. I know in my heart that he's protecting others as well as teaching them to protect themselves. Good on him, and thank you one more time, Professor. This story happened last year, around spring, while I was broke and struggling to make ends meet. I had just moved out and didn't want to resort to going back to my parents, so I was desperate. I was constantly scouring Craigslist for caregiver and housekeeping type gigs just to make quick cash while I looked for a full-time position. After responding to several, I got a bite back from a man who had advertised as a disabled man who needed help with his morning and evening routines, since he had a bad back. As a past caregiver, I thought nothing of his request to help with bathing and dressing, since I knew it could be difficult for some. After chatting on the phone and coming to the conclusion that he was a nice, normal person, I proceeded to head over to his townhouse late one night to help him with his nighttime routine. He lived a bit out of the way for me, but I was desperate, and I didn't mind. He even said I could spend the night since he'd need me in the morning anyway. Once I got there, he was a decent-looking man in his late 30s, maybe early 40s, but he did walk with a cane. He paid me $200 up front for the expected nighttime and morning routine that next day. 
He explained that he was ex-military and had back surgery recently. Things started to get weird once he offered me some wine and commented on how cute he thought I was. I should have seen this as a big red flag, but again I was super poor and let this cloud my judgment as I gave him every benefit of the doubt. He then led me to his bedroom where he got undressed for his evening shower. I was horrified since I saw that he already had a giant erection and wanted me to lather him up. He asked if I wanted to take my clothes off, and I rightfully declined. He responded respectfully. However, he did touch my butt when I bent over to pick something up for him. I know I should have ran out right then, but I was waiting for the right moment. Whatever that means. After quickly giving him the most unsexy shower in the most platonic way I could, he got out and said he was heading to bed, but didn't want to wear any clothes. The guest room where I was to stay was right next to his, and though I was tired, I was still pretty on edge. My gut instinct was telling me to get the hell out of there. The issue was that we were in a three-story townhouse, and we were on the top floor. He had also installed baby gates on each floor so his cat wouldn't run away. I knew my escape route would be littered with obstacles. He had also turned off all the lights on the lower floors, so it was pitch black. In order for me to get out, I'd have to pass his room as well. I quietly arranged my stuff in my purse while I heard his TV blaring. To my horror, I saw him swiftly walk to his bathroom without his cane. I realized then that he was not as disabled as he had previously let on, since he had put on an act as if he couldn't walk without it. He also still had his heart on and was holding a giant bottle of lotion with him. As quickly and as quietly as I could, I fled and ran like hell out of the room while he was in the bathroom and jumped like an Olympic sprinter over the cat's gates down the dark stairs. As I threw the front door open to run to my car, I heard his house alarm go off. I got into my car as fast as lightning, heart beating like crazy. I immediately began getting phone calls from his number and every car that trailed me had me terrified until I got out of there. Finally, after a two-hour drive, I was back to my place and grateful that I was able to escape. Who knows what could have happened if I had stayed overnight, but I'm oh so glad to not have to find out. When I was about seven years old, my mom and father decided to get a divorce. This event prompted her to move and follow her career in a different small town, which would pay better, as she was a single parent now. On our long 12-hour drive to the new location, we stopped on the way in this little town, which was very hippie. Sort of had lots of art, little shops. You know the vibe. My mom said we were here to meet up with a friend of hers, Paulette. I guess they went way back in her college days, and recently got in touch after a decade. We end up going to this East Indian restaurant where we could meet her for dinner. This slender, somewhat fragile woman walks in. She was very tall, well over six feet. Big, frizzy, curly brown hair with blonde streaks in it. She was Caucasian, wearing a colorful shawl with feather earrings. Very pale blue eyes on her as well. She looked like a mosaic tapestry or something. She walks over to the table and gives my mom a greeting and a big hug, makes her way over to my older brother and shakes his hand, afterwards coming around to my side of the table. I lend my hand out to her and she just stood there expressionless, with her mouth partly open with a blank gaze, 
simply staring at me. It briefly made me uncomfortable and then a flick of a switch. This spark ignites in her face. She makes this huge Cheshire cat smile, kneels over, and hugs me tightly. She goes back to sit with my mom and they catch up over the years while we eat dinner. My mom gets the bill and says to her in the parking lot, you can just follow us. We get into the car and my mom explains to us that Paulette is actually coming over to live with us for a while. She followed us for the next several hours. We get to the new place and unpack our necessity items as we had a moving truck hired with the rest of our stuff arriving in the morning. There was a bunk bed already set up at this place for me and my brother. It was fairly late into the night, roughly 11 p.m. when we landed. Me and my brother set up our sleeping bags. I take the top bunk. My mom says goodnight and I fell asleep pretty quickly. I do wake up around 1.30 a.m. though. I guess the patio deck light got turned on, which was right outside of our room. I gazed out through the blinds, and I see the back of Paulette's curly hair. She was sitting on the deck, cross-legged, smoking a cigarette. I didn't think much of it, and laid back down, until I noticed the light from the window gets partially blocked out. I look behind me with my head still on the pillow, and I see the unmistakable outline of Paulette's shadow facing our window. While she was there for minutes... I didn't want to lean up. I just pretended to sleep. Her shadow moves and I hear the front door close. The patio light turns off after a few moments. I reposition myself facing the wall to go back to sleep. As I begin to drift off, the door to our room opens slowly. I quickly turn my head around to see that it wasn't my mom who had entered the room. It's Paulette wearing a nightgown. I turn back facing the wall and close my eyes once more. She quietly makes her way to my bunk. I feel her fingers and a claw formation start to comb the back of my hair, running her nails on the back of my scalp as she goes. I kept my eyes closed tightly, nearly holding my breath trying to give no signs that I was awake. I smell some essential oils like lavender, and she begins rubbing oil into the back of my neck, pinching my neck muscles sometimes holding it, and then releasing. I begin to kind of just accept whatever it is that's happening, because it didn't feel all that bad after a while. I actually ended up falling asleep to it after my initial confusion. I wake up in the morning, my mom is off at work, and Paulette is waiting at the table with cereal for me and my brother. She put chocolate chips in my bowl, but not my brother's. My brother and I make small talk with her. She was very giggly, seemed to be trying to make us comfortable with the new situation. My brother heads back to his room to get his GameCube set up after he finishes his cereal. I was a slower eater than my older brother, so I was always last at the table. As I slowly ate, she was sitting there watching my every move. Once I finished, I said, Thank you, and grabbed my bowl to bring it to the sink. She places her hand on mine and says, I gave you a neck massage so you wouldn't pee your bed. I know lots of young ones pee beds when they sleep in unfamiliar surroundings. I looked up at her and said, I've never peed my bed before, but thank you. She continued to massage the back of my neck for the next few nights. I ended up telling her I'm comfortable here now. You don't need to do this anymore. She reacted to that with a sigh, but acknowledged it. I started elementary school the following week, which meant getting earlier night sleeps, around 8pm. 
her and my mom would stay up much later than me and my brother and drink their wine. I always waited for them to go to bed before I used the washroom at night to go pee because my mom would kind of scold me for being up late on weeknights. Once things got quiet around 11, I'd sneak out and tippy-toe to go use the bathroom. This was my ritual for the next few weeks, until Paulette started doing the exact same thing at the same time, every time. Every night when I needed to use the bathroom, it just so happened Paulette needed it too, and she would blaze down the hallway across from my room when I'd open the door. I'd just go back in my room and wait for her, although it began happening so frequently that I would just go outside to pee, right outside of our backyard door. This started to piss me off, no pun intended. I'd open my door as quietly as I could and then sprint to the bathroom. This seemed effective for a while. One night, I get up slightly later than usual, around midnight. I was a little more careless with noise because I was half asleep and groggy. I open the door and Paulette's door just slams open instantly. She barges out in the dimly moonlit hallway, completely naked, and just starts quickly walking down the hallway. I was already so far down the hall, I couldn't turn back to my room then. I jump behind my mom's jade plant and squish my knees to my chest as I tuck my head down, trying to hide myself. She whizzes straight by me so fast I felt wind push my hair. She stays in the bathroom for almost an hour straight with the door open just to crack. Lights off. In silence. I stayed there beside the washroom door, tucked in the corner behind the plant pot, not making a sound. I hear the bathroom door open completely and she starts pacing up and down the hallway. I kept small and insignificant behind the plant until she goes back into her room. I brush this off as a complete accident. It was just unfortunate timing. But no, every night going forward, she would literally sprint down the hallway naked if I'd make a single noise. A creak in the floorboard, open my door, whatever. About two months into this, me and my brother were sword fighting with tree branches outside. He ends up clipping my forehead, causing it to bleed pretty badly. Paulette sees this happen. She walks up to my brother, what I thought would be to scold him. But no. She stomp kicks him in the head with her boot, causing him to fall onto his back. He gets up off the ground crying and runs into the house. She grabs me and starts cradling me rocking back and forth as she does, shaking so much that she was vibrating, repeatedly asking if I'm hurt, in a shaky voice. My mom finds out through my brother what happened, and decides then that Paulette needs to leave. Her final day there, she made a point to see me one-on-one -on -one in the driveway before entering her car. She knelt down and said, I hope I can see you in a different life. You remind me so much of my husband. Goodbye as she starts bawling her eyes out while hugging me. I asked my mom who her husband was. I guess he was a Marine that died in Afghanistan a few months prior to her moving in with us. Mom said she would frequently say how much I reminded her of him on a daily basis. My mom hasn't spoken to her since. I've never told my mother about the massages or anything to this day, as she was already exiled and I felt it would just cause more drama than it would solve. Even back then as a child, I was so relieved that Paulette was gone. She gave me the creeps and 
that says something when it's happening to a child. Can't even verbalize what the creeps really are. <laughs>